Hey, this is Pastor Jeff Workmeister of Elevate Church, and welcome to our podcast. I want to thank you for listening today. I hope this inspires you, encourages you, and builds your faith. Enjoy the podcast. All right. You guys ready? Okay, I'm really excited this morning. Um, so, hey, first of all, listen, if you haven't signed up, if you've got kids in, in the age range for Splash or Wake, or if you're a man in here, please make sure you sign up for the things that are going on that, that they just announced. Listen, ManFest is gonna be a really good time. I know how men are, because I'm a man, right? And, and we're weird, right? We're a little bit different than, than, than the women, right? The women, can they can you know, have a little service in here and like some little food out there in the, in the foyer, and they're just gonna come together, right? Because they like being together. And men are a little bit different sometimes, and there's gotta be like a pull. Listen, I promise you, we're gonna have the best time. Like, I don't even get into these kind of things. We're gonna have a really good time at ManFest. So please sign up for all of those events, okay? Hey, listen, uh, I am super excited about this morning because I'm going to talk to you this morning about my very favorite story in the Bible, okay? So maybe you have uh, one of your favorites. Maybe you have some some different favorites, right? I've got some, some stories that I really like, but this one is the pinnacle, right? This one is my very, very favorite story in the Bible, and listen, let me just share something with you real quick. So we've got a lot of different initiatives out here because let me say this. The number one thing that I love about Elevate Church is everybody here is from very different backgrounds, all right? Specifically speaking about faith, okay? So some of you have been in church for a long time. Some of you uh, were atheists before you came. Some of you uh, have only been in church for a little bit or came from a different denomination or a different background or a different theology. And and look, that's okay. That's just fine. Here's what we want to do. We want to help you be able to dive into the Word and be able to, to know why, why you believe what you believe. The Bible says to be ready with an answer, right? And so that's why we have initiatives like the DNA uh, class. Please, if you haven't signed up, make sure you sign up for that. You can do it on your own time. It's self-paced. Uh, but make sure you get involved with that. But listen, let me drop a little secret to studying the Bible Right? Sometimes when you hear things like studying the Bible, that sounds real intense, right? And you got to have like a thesaurus or concordance, or I don't even know what uh, all you got to have, right? Some computer over here that you're researching stuff online. Listen, the, the key to studying the Bible is ask questions, all right? So I'm going to encourage you to do something, right? Take a little bit of time each day and read a little bit of the Bible, maybe that's just a chapter, and just ask questions, right? Just say, why did, why did Jesus go there? Or why did he say that? Or why did he do that? Or why did they respond that way? And when you start to ask questions like that, you're gonna be able to dive in to what the Lord truly has to say because he uses lots of symbolism in all of these stories. And we're gonna talk about that here this morning in the story of, can anybody guess what my favorite Bible story is? There's no reason any of you would know this. It's Zacchaeus, okay? The story of Zacchaeus. It's a short story in the Bible, but it's so packed full of goodness. And so we're going to talk about that here this morning. So let me set it up for you. It's going to be found in Luke chapter 19 if you have a Bible with you. If not, we're going to have it up on the screens. Um, but just to give you a little bit of background here, Jesus is walking into this city called Jericho, all right? So for those of you who have been in church for a while or you know some stories uh, about this, so what's the big famous thing that happened at Jericho? All right, the walls, somebody said it. Okay, so the children of Israel marched around the city, right, at God's command. They gave a big shout at the end, and these walls come down, all right? So now fast forward like 1,500 years, okay? And now Jesus is walking into the same place but really, he's announcing something different. He's saying there's a change in the way that God is going to interact with mankind, and I'm ushering in that change. I'm ushering in a brand new covenant. I'm ushering in a brand new theology, and this time, it's going to be about relationship, okay? So we're going to start reading in Luke chapter 19. We're going to start with verse 1. All right, it says, and Jesus entered into Jericho and made his way through the town. And there was a man there named Zacchaeus, and he was the chief tax collector. Now, I'm going to pause right there for just a second. It was about a month ago that Nora, so Nora's my 10-year-old daughter. Uh, she's adorable. And uh, she was in her room, 
and, and I was doing some stuff, I was doing some work, and I heard her singing this song, and to my recollection, I don't think I had ever heard this before. Um, but it's a song about Zacchaeus, and so maybe some of you guys know it, all right? So I'm gonna start it out, and I'm gonna see if you know it, all right? So it starts out like this. Zacchaeus was a we okay, and a, see, he climbed up in a sycamore tree. Okay, I don't know anything else. That's me. And he's come down. So look, good job, everyone. Good job. So first, if you don't know a lyric to a song, just look to my wife, right? Any song that's ever been written in the history of mankind or maybe even thought about being written, like she's gonna know the lyrics to, first of all. All right, so, so very good. So I'm hearing this song, and she's singing it over and over and over, right? And she's just in a room. She's playing, Zacchaeus was a wee little man. And, I, and, 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 and here before long, like I'm typing at my keyboard, and I'm Zacchaeus. And I'm singing this song, right? And there's this dichotomy that comes in my brain, right? All of a sudden, I think, wait a minute. Like, this is such an adorable little song. But, like, I know the story of Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus was a bad man, right? He was not a good fellow, okay? And, and so, so I started thinking about this song and started thinking about Zacchaeus. Now, it says he was a wee little man, right? And, and he climbed up in this sycamore tree. And, and you can take a lot of stuff from that, okay? But what I picture in my head when I picture Zacchaeus is like Joe Pesci, right? And I'm not talking about uh, Home Alone Joe Pesci, or like my cousin Vinny Joe Pesci. I'm talking about like casino Joe Pesci, okay? I'm talking about like a bad man who's doing very, very bad things, right? So, and, and I'm gonna tell you why, okay? Because he was a tax collector. Now, that meant a very different thing in this time and in this culture than it does today, right? So I have a tax lady and she does my taxes and then she sends me a bill for my taxes, and it's super irritating to pay taxes, right? But when I get that bill, I'm not like, you vile, disgusting creature, right? Because she's, my, she's doing her job. She's doing what I'm paying her to do. So I'm gonna give like the modern day equivalent of what a tax collector would have been back then, all right? So imagine here in America, if a foreign government were to come in and all of a sudden they take over the United States of America, right? And now we've all got to obey everything that they say. And Ryan finds an opportunity uh, that I'm going to work with these guys and I'm going to work for them. And in fact, I'm going to work for them to collect taxes from you and make sure that you pay your fair share so that they can execute everything or everyone that they need to properly, right? And not only that, but let me add a little cherry on top. I'm gonna skim a little bit off the top so that me and my family are living good while I'm keeping you in abject poverty, okay? That's who Zacchaeus was. He was a traitor to the very weakest people around him. And, and the Bible says that he wasn't just a tax collector, which is bad enough, but he was the chief tax collector, right? He's the boss of tax collectors. He's telling the other tax collectors what to do. So like, if I live during this time, I'm hoping somebody finds this dude in a back alley somewhere, right? I'm hoping like he gets what he deserves because I don't like people like this. I wouldn't let people like this around my family. If there's anyone Jesus should not go to and choose to be one of his followers, it's this guy, all right? But we're gonna read what it says here because Jesus has a funny way of like surprising us at every turn, okay? So verse two, it says, he was the chief tax collector in the region and he had become very rich and he tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. That's a bummer. So he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore tree, fig tree beside the road for Jesus was gonna pass that way. And when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down, just like the song said. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy, but the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. 
Now, look, let me pause here for a second. Anybody who, right, anybody in here who may believe that Jesus was a good man or possibly a great teacher uh, or anybody who's watching online, but not the Messiah, if there were one way to not start a religion, if there were one way to not start a movement, Jesus wrote the book on it. All right, people would come to him and they're like, Jesus, I'm willing to follow you anywhere. And he would say, hey, I don't even have a place to lay my head at night. He would say stuff like, if you're gonna follow me, you gotta take up your cross. You gotta crucify your flesh and, 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 and give up your life in order to gain it back. And here in this one act, in this story, he not only chooses the very worst possible candidate ever, but he simultaneously like, makes everybody angry with him at the same time, right? So, and, 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 and we, we gotta understand this. Here's why. Because Jesus doesn't think like we think. See, we think about loving people at, at, like the Bible says, and we think about like the, you know, the sinner who's on the, like people who are way far off, right? The, 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 the drug addict, right? And we, we have this kind of romanticized idea in our mind. But what it's a little harder to do sometimes is love those people who are a little closer to home. Like there are members of your family who it may be difficult to love, right? There are people with different political persuasions that it may be difficult for you to love. But Jesus said to love your enemy. He said to love those who despitefully use you and misuse you. You know what? The only way to do that is to live a life that's led by the Holy Spirit. That's the only possible way. And so he is, Zacchaeus is here up in this tree and he responds, we're gonna keep reading. It says, it says uh, in verse eight, if they can put that back up. Sorry, I keep pausing. Uh, meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and he said, I'll give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I've cheated people on their taxes, I'll give them back four times as much. And Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham, for the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost. Amen. Isn't that good? Listen, God is looking for people who are looking for him, right? So let me explain something. Zacchaeus was a businessman in this time, okay? And I encourage you guys one day, read the story of the prodigal son and read the father's response to the son. It says that when he sees him a far way off, that he goes running. And men, distinguished men during that time, they didn't run, right? They had servants around them who would run and who would take care of the different things, but they would always act proper. And so for Zacchaeus, a distinguished businessman to climb up in this tree, first of all, was absolutely unthinkable. Right? This was unheard of in this time. But there was an element of desperation to what he was doing. Like, I gotta see this guy. I, I have to get what he's got for me. I don't even know exactly what that is, but somehow I gotta see him. I brought something today, and uh, so I stopped and got this the other day. And the first question Ezra asked me was, Ezra's my son, and he was like, why do you guys always bring beverages up on the, up on the stage as a, as a part of the illustration? I was like, you know what? That's a good point. We do that quite a bit, don't we? But this is Inca-Cola, okay? Has anybody ever had Inca-Cola? All right, one, okay. Okay, now raise your hand if you've ever even heard of Inca-Cola. Okay, so a few more. So Inca-Cola is made in Peru, all right? And I'm told, I don't know if this is the case, maybe somebody in here knows, but I'm told that Lima, Peru is the only place in the world that another beverage outsells Coca-Cola, right? So this is Inca-Cola. And it tastes, um, tastes kind of like uh, cream soda. That's probably the closest representation to anything, that, uh, anything else that I've had. And there's a really interesting story behind this because I did some missions work years ago in, in Peru. And uh, part of the missions work, we were going to these different villages that were in the jungle, okay? And so we would have to hike to these villages, all right? Now take everything that you think sounds cool or fun about hiking through the jungle, right? And throw that out the window. I'm gonna give you a little pro tip, okay? It is the worst experience I've ever had in my life. It is hot, it is dirty, you are exhausted. There are mosquitoes literally eating you constantly. 
So at the time, is DEET still a thing? Is that still a, it, it, okay, yeah, it shouldn't be. I had like 100% DEET like caked all over me, right? I was like, I like went and slipped into a coma probably uh, after, after that trip because I had so much of this stuff and still the mosquitoes would like lick it off. It was the craziest experience ever. And here's the thing, it doesn't matter, if you're hiking through the Amazon, it doesn't matter how much water you pack, you are going to run out of water. Like, because it's just hot and you're drinking a whole lot of water. And so we were in the jungle with these two like really experienced, like, I don't even know what you call them, jungle men, right? <laughs> and they had these machetes. And so they would pull down these uh, coconuts from the trees and they would like hack off the top of the coconut and they, they pop the top just like a little, you know, just like a little top to a bottle. And then you would drink the water out of the coconut and like, that's what kept us going, right? But then we would get to the village. Now, I tried really hard to find a picture of this fish that I ate in those villages, and I couldn't find it, but I found another one that's similar, if they'll put that picture up. All right, so, yeah. So every single meal while we were out there consisted of two things, fish and bananas, all right? And the fish that I ate when I was there, now this fish actually looks a little bit nicer, but the fish that I ate was a cousin to the piranha and it had these huge teeth. And, and look, when I say fish, it's not like you, you going down here to, you know, I don't even know what a current fish place is, to Liberty Center and you ordering a plate of fish. It's like the whole fish with teeth and eyes and scales and everything put in a bowl of water, right? And then they give that to you with a fork and a plate. Now, believe it or not, that wasn't the tough part for me, okay? I could get through the fish. I was doing okay with the fish and bananas. The tough part for me was the water, okay? So when they poured, I'll never forget this in my life. <laughs> I wish I had a picture of this. When they poured the first glass of water, and I don't know why they did it in glasses either, because if I couldn't see it, maybe it would help psychologically. But it was brown, right? It was like brown water. And when you would smell it or taste it, this is the only thing that, I still get a little, a little nauseous when I talk about this. The only thing that I can equate it to is it tasted like if you liquefied like dirty socks and squeezed it in a cup, that's what it tasted like, all right? I'm not exaggerating at all, I promise before the Lord. They poured brown water that tasted like dirty socks. And so, after about like four days of this, now you gotta drink water, right, when you're out there. And after about four days of this, I got some like bacteria issues going on in here and my body's doing some <laughs> different stuff. And I'm not sleeping right. And I literally, every time I start to take a drink of this water, I'm like, I cannot do this, right? And so I remember I'm praying one day <laughs> And I was like, God, you gotta do a miracle because I'm gonna die here in the jungle because I don't have any water. And I can't drink, I can't drink one more cup of this. I remember I said those words, I cannot drink one more cup of this. And all of a sudden, this kid comes, now this village is like 10 people, right? This kid comes like marching into the village and he's like, he's whistling, okay? And he's got this pack on his back like Santa Claus. Okay, and in this pack, he's got like five bottles of Inca Cola. And he's walking from village to village through the jungle selling Inca Cola to make some money. And I'm like an angel, right? Like a ram in the bush. I'm like, I will buy everything that you have, right? And so I get the Inca Cola and I'm like, you know, like giving it to the village children and stuff. Like, I don't care what's going on. Like, this is the best day of my life, right? And he says, hey, hey, I've got more of these if you want more. And I'm like, hey, hey, I've got more money if you want to come back tomorrow, right? So, so the next morning we get up and we've got like a full itinerary that day. And I'm like, nope, you guys go ahead and do whatever you want to do because I'd like to get out of this jungle alive. So I'm waiting for angel Santa Claus Inca Cola boy to come back here because I'm going to buy all of his Inca Cola, right? There was no possible way that I was going to miss this guy, all right? There was an element of desperation in me that I was willing to do whatever it took 
to make sure that when he was coming, that he was looking for me and that I was looking for him. And that's exactly the way Zacchaeus was here, right? There was something going on in his life where he was absolutely desperate. And he said, look, I'm gonna climb a tree. I'm gonna climb up on people's heads. I don't care what it takes, but I am gonna find this guy and I'm gonna find out what he has for me. See, listen, it's easy to get used to this right, to get used to the church scene. And we come in and there's like, you know, a few songs and we, you know, and then there's a sermon. And then we all, you know, go out and and we're feeling kind of good about things. But I'm gonna tell you something. When you're desperate, this looks completely different. You come into a place like this and the spirit of God is in that place and they're talking about the life-saving message of Jesus Christ and man, whatever you gotta do, like you're gonna grab a hold of it, right? Your heart's gonna grab a hold of it. He's looking for people who are looking for him. And the Bible says this, you know, there was a, the, the, the woman who was bleeding, right? For 10, 10 years, this woman was bleeding. And she says, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, right? If I can just get through this crowd, if I can muscle my way through and I can just touch the hem of his garment, I know that I'm gonna be healed. And I love what Jesus says. He says, somebody touched me, right? And Peter's standing right next to him. And he's like, "Uh, Lord, there's like 10,000 people around you. Yep, somebody touched you. That's true, right? And I love Jesus' response. He says, no. He says, somebody deliberately touched me. See, the Bible says in Hebrews 11 that those who come to God have to believe two things. They gotta believe that he exists and they gotta believe that he rewards the one the ones who are diligently seeking after him. So that means every time you come into a congregation like this, every time you come into the presence of the Lord and you're saying, Lord, speak to me. Like, I know you've got something for me. I know you want to deposit something in me. I know you want to pour something into my life. That means he's going to reward you with one of those gifts. And here's the crazy thing, is Jesus knows the best gifts to give you because he knows every single detail of your life. Right, so when he calls him by name, he says, Zacchaeus. Can you imagine like Zacchaeus's response? Like, I've never met this guy. Like, how does he know my name? And in that one word, just by saying his name, Jesus is saying to him, he's saying, I know everything about you. I know everything that you've ever done. I know every success that you've ever had. I know every failure that you've ever had. I know when you did right. I know when you blew it. And here's the craziest part, Zacchaeus. I still choose you. I had this friend one time. So look, it's interesting how Jesus says this. He says, I must be a guest in your house today. Like, did Jesus just invite himself over? I had this friend who, who this reminds me of, this story reminds me of. His name, ironically, was Jeff. Um, but this guy used to, this guy used to like invite himself over all the time. And he, he was not cool about it at all. Like there's a way to do that, right? And then there's the way not to do it. And this guy did that way, right? He'd be like, hey, why don't I come over tomorrow and you can grill out for us? And yeah, that was like, okay, that sounds fantastic, right? Maybe I can can get you a pillow afterwards. You can take a nap in my bed or. See, and he would come over. (laughs) This dude was so dumb. He would come over and he would, he would grab my stuff. He would like look at my stuff, right? Like he would pick up my, like while you're in a conversation with him, he would just grab stuff off the table and like pick up your stuff and he would look at it and, you know, and then just set it back down. And like, you're talking to him like, dude, don't, Don't touch my stuff. Like, this is my stuff, right? This is my house. This is my domain, right? This is where I go to relax. This is where I go to unwind. This is my my safe place, right? Look, I'm gonna tell you a little secret about me. I have a limit of words in my head, okay? There's so many words that I have a day, and when I'm out, I'm out. Like, I just can't do it. So a lot of times we'll come to church and you know, you gotta talk a lot at church, right? There's a lot of people here. 
And so sometimes people will be like, hey, why don't we go grab a bite to eat after church? And so we'll go to church. And like, if I've met that quota, if I've met that limit, like, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm just gonna look at Megan and like, she knows she's gonna have to carry it, right? So you and Megan are gonna have a really great conversation, okay? Look, I'm enjoying it. I'm not angry. I'm not, you know, but I'm just, I'm out, right? I'm out of words. Like, that's all the words that I have until I go back to my house and I can recharge, right, in my safe place. And then I'm okay again, right? I've got, I've got some words in my head again. So make no mistake that when Jesus says, hey, I must come to your house, that's not because Jesus had nothing better to do. All right, now look, I'm gonna be honest. If I were on Jesus' pastoral board back then, I would have given him some good advice, right? I would have said, Jesus, here's what you need to do. Rather than do this at Zacchaeus' house, you need to go ahead and do this like in the public eye, right? So that not only Zacchaeus can benefit from your message, but like all these people are gonna hear, like it's gonna be much more effective for your ministry, right? So why don't you go to his work and, and meet him there. And you can see him in action. You can talk to the, his customers. and Or, or maybe go to like the uh, uh, ancient day equivalent of like a restaurant or a Starbucks or something, right? Like go meet him out in the public square so that people can hear your message. Or here's a thought. Tell Zacchaeus to come into the temple, right? Because let's be honest, Jesus, that's probably where he really needs to be. Anyway, but see, that is never Jesus' style, right? Jesus always goes straight for the heart. And Jesus knows that there's a big difference in you coming into God's house and God coming into your house. So I brought something with me today. Would you guys help, uh, wherever you are, would you help me bring that up, please? Okay, so um, I think you guys are gonna like this. <clears throat> so I have my daughter's dollhouse here. Okay, now I'm gonna give a, <laughs> a public service announcement first. Yeah, that's good, right there. Actually, can you skew over that way just a little bit? Thank you. Thanks. A little bit more. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right, so, so look, this is a kid craft. If you ever buy a kid craft dollhouse, first of all, I'm gonna give you a little pro tip again. You're gonna walk out of here with a lot of pro tips. Uh, don't start this at midnight on Christmas Eve, okay? Because it may not look like it, but there are 96 trillion pieces in this thing. And it was like three, like Santa almost didn't come that year, right? Christmas was almost ruined. And so I brought this up as a representation of our house, right? And the important things in our house. And so you can see here, I've got some important things. I've got, um, you know, pictures of my family, right? Because this is what I keep safe in my house, right? These are the things that I have in my priorities in my house. Um, and there are lots of different things, right? They're, they're my kids and, and there's money, thankfully. A little bit of money in my house. I actually borrowed this from my son, so... And I can imagine Jesus going into Zacchaeus' house, right? And, and he starts looking at the stuff in there, right? And he starts fidgeting with it. I can, I can like imagine Jesus going through this scenario. And he starts picking it up. He starts looking at it. And maybe you've got some stuff in your house. Maybe you've got some stuff like this that's very important, stuff that you protect and stuff that you keep safe. And maybe you've got some stuff in there that you don't even want anybody to know about, right? Like, 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 like you've, got your, you've got your hobbies, things like that. Basketball's not my hobby, but I found a basketball back there, so I put it in here. And you've got, you've got, you've got your Bible. You've got the things that are important to you. But maybe you've got some stuff that you're, you're hiding. Like maybe you've got some health issues going on that nobody even knows about, Right? Just not, maybe not a bad thing, but just something that you've got kind of hidden in your house, right? 
And maybe there are deeper things in your house. Maybe you've got issues with your marriage in your house. Maybe you're concerned with your children. Or maybe you have anxiety about work or about how you perform on your job. Maybe you've got a lack of resources in your house. Or maybe you've got so many resources that you, you're really not sure where your trust is at this point. Right? Maybe there's addiction in your house. I stopped and bought, bought this bottle of vodka. Um, if anybody's slipping in here, stay away from the stage, right? <laughs> but maybe you've got addiction in your house. Maybe something that nobody even knows about. Right? See, we're okay with all of this. We, we come into church and a lot of times we put on like our best face and, and you know, it's, it's like Instagram. It's like social media, right? We come in and we present the best side of ourselves and that's okay. But when Jesus comes into our house and we give him access truly to everything and we open ourselves up for him to see everything that's going on inside of our house, he has a funny way of like messing with our stuff and like reprioritizing our stuff. Let me tell you about something that's going on in my house right now, okay? So last week we went to Eastern Kentucky and we went to Red River Gorge. Anybody ever been there? All right, and like Natural Bridge area and it was great. And We were able to hike the trails and, and see the bridge. And we stayed in this like 1800s style um, Airbnb. And there were chickens running around and the kids loved it. You know, they would go like out every morning, like checking for eggs. But I'm gonna be honest, it took me a, it took me a little while to unwind, okay? It took me a little while to kind of calm down up here. And, and this has been a conversation that's been going on in my house for a little bit with, with Megan and I, that I can have a tendency to be a little bit of a workaholic, okay? Now, look, when you say that, <clears throat> let, me, let me preface this. When you say that you're, you're a workaholic, that can be viewed in a negative light, but also sometimes in the United States, especially, I think, um, it can be viewed like a little bit positive too. Like, uh, it's kind of like when you go for a job interview and they say, uh, what's, your, what's your biggest weakness? And you say something like, uh, uh, like, I just care too much, right? Or, you, you know, it's something that's like, yeah, that can be a negative thing, but also like if you're like, like we could use a workaholic here. Like we we want you, right? But I was thinking back over this like season in my life, and it's just a busy season, and I'm working some overtime at work, and there's obviously a lot, always a lot going on at the church, and just different things in ministry, and we run a missions organization called Mission Ahava, and like a lot of things going on, right? And, but I began to think about it, and I began to think about the season prior to this, right? And I was thinking about the kids in, like, soccer and uh, gymnastics, and, 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 and that's when we started Mission Ahava, right? And we were traveling around the world in the season before that. And I started thinking back to all of these seasons that were pretty busy. And I'm like, okay, whoa, this is not a busy season. Like, this is a busy, like, 20 years. And so I've heard this question in my mind for like two weeks now, is why? why? Why do you do that? So you know Bill Johnson, he's a pastor in California, and he has this quote that says that busyness is artificial significance. And if I'm gonna be honest, like I could come up with a lot of reasons why I'm a workaholic, right? Well, like I wanna provide for my family, and like I want a really good career, and I want the church to be blessed, and I want... Uh, orphans around the world to, to be taken care of, right? And look, those are all real and true and accurate things. But if I'm really gonna be 100% honest, I get feelings of self-worth through providing things for other people, Okay? Look, can I just get, you guys didn't know you were gonna be giving me a therapy session this morning, did you? All right, I'm just being very vulnerable and honest. And sometimes when I'm not able to <clears throat> bring anything to the table, I feel like I, I, I probably don't belong there. 
Now, here's the crazy thing. Is this bleeds over into your spiritual world, right into your spiritual life. And sometimes I feel like if I don't produce for God, like maybe he's, maybe he's not gonna accept me or maybe he's gonna reject me. And so when I hear Pastor Jeff up here for the last three weeks and he's been talking about abundant life, he's been talking about enjoying your life. What I feel, I feel Jesus coming in, right? And he's picking up stuff in here and he's messing with it. Okay, he's saying, hey, why do you have that here? Like, why, why is that top priority in your life? Why do you have things prioritized the way that you do? And why do you set them up like you do? See, Jesus has this funny way of taking our priorities and twisting them all around and shaking them up and flipping them on their head and handing them back to you and say, this, these, these are the priorities I want for your life. See, listen, don't think for a second because I'm ever up here and I preach a message or Pastor Jeff is up here and he, he does this week after week that we got it all together because we don't. Right, we are, learn we are in this process just like you are. And we are in a journey of faith and we are trying to get closer and trying to walk closer to him every single day, just like you are, right? And here's what the Bible says. He says that every one of these things in your life that you care about, he cares about. He says it like this in Hebrews. He says, we have a great high priest who's touched by everything that we're touched by. He's touched by our infirmities. That's what it says. In other words, if you're worried about it, God's concerned about it. Here's the difference. He can actually do something about it. And he can handle your burdens and your concerns much better than you can handle your burdens and concerns. And here's what happens when you allow him to do that. Three things happen. I've got three points very quickly. Number one, when Jesus comes into your house, the response is radical, all right? So, so can I just say something real quick? Don't judge people for the way that they worship. You know, you come in here sometimes and people have their hands raised or some people are crying or some people are praying. You know what? You don't know what that person's been through. I saw a guy one time, this is no lie. We were in the middle of worship. <clears throat> it wasn't here. And this guy was so excited and he just took off and started doing cartwheels down the aisle. Like, okay, like cartwheels for Jesus, right? Like, hey, I don't know what that guy's been through. I don't know what he's had to, to face this week. And I don't know the joy that the Lord has deposited in him for that. Listen, let me tell you why I'm up here today, right? I'm obviously up here because Pastor Jeff isn't here, right? <clears throat> but there's, you don't just fall into like, like the gospel. I remember a guy challenged me one time and he said, hey, Ryan, I want you to do this. I want you to go to your house, right? This is when I was very young in the faith. He said, put on some worship music, right? And get in a quiet place alone and just start worshiping the Lord. And I started doing this, right? I started doing this night after night. I did this for like, I don't know, five or six nights in a row. And then one night, by the way, I encourage all of you to, to, to find a place, make a time for communion with the Lord. But then one night, <laughs> This is the only way I know how to describe it is Jesus met me there, okay? And if you know what I'm talking about, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you don't, that's okay. But like the presence of God was there and it was so strong and it was so thick. And I remember like I woke up the next morning and I was just, I just felt free. Like there were just things that I'd struggled with and, and, and mental problems and challenges that I had gone through that we're just not there anymore. And I remember thinking in my mind, everybody needs this. See, that's the whole point of this. That's the whole point of all this, right? We can have the best singers up here in the world or we can have the best public speakers. If we do not give you an opportunity to touch the King of Kings, we've blown it. There's no other point. God's MO is to touch your life. 
He wants to be intimately involved in this life. And you may forget this sermon, but if you've had an encounter with Jesus, you're never, never, never gonna forget that. And it'll take the lowliest of sinners and the very worst possible candidates and turn them into full-fledged followers of Christ. It'll take people who are bound in sin and addiction and it'll set them free in a minute. Here's the second thing it does. When Jesus comes into your house, everyone around you is blessed. See, he said, Zacchaeus, it says he stood before the Lord and he said, I'm gonna give half my wealth to the poor and everything I've cheated people on their taxes, I'm gonna give them back four times as much. First of all, can you imagine giving half of everything you have to the poor? Like that's radical. Or think about this. If, you, if everything you paid in taxes last year, if they gave you back four times that, right? So that's no, long, that, that, that's no longer in the category of paying taxes. That's called an investment at that point, right? You, you, you actually become a gainer. And that's what the Bible says that the body of Christ becomes because of the work of the cross. Listen, we're gonna fully understand this one day. I can't, I can't fully describe it to you in the, in the vernacular that I should. But I'm gonna tell you, somehow we're gonna find out in eternity that had Adam and Eve never fallen in the, in the garden and like we were all in the garden and things were good, we always think that that would be the pinnacle idea, right? Somehow we have become gainers through Christ. Somehow the work that he did of redemption actually makes us richer in the body. And you know what that does? He says that we're gonna be a blessing to the entire world through the seed of Jesus Christ. So would you put up those pictures real quick? So this, so we're gonna call this Hope 3, this house, on the one on the left, okay? And we're gonna, they're just gonna kind of scroll through, through some pictures. So this is the house that Elevate Church purchased and paid for and bought in Thailand for girls who are at risk for human trafficking. All right, now listen, kids that you have never even met before, and look, let me just be honest, you're never gonna meet on this side of eternity. The trajectory of their life is gonna be dramatically changed forever because of what you guys gave thousands of miles away. And oh, by the way, there was another individual in our church who, who while we were doing this whole campaign and raising the money for this, he said, hey, I, I wanna, I, I'll own my own. I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and sponsor another one. So we actually built two houses. 40 girls are gonna be housed in these two houses because of the, the generosity of the body of Christ. Let me tell you real quick the third thing he does. And then I'm gonna wrap this up. When Jesus speaks to you, Get this now, when Jesus speaks to you, it's just between you and him. You know what irritates me a little bit about this story? So you have a story here that has literally been preached worldwide for countless generations now. Let me put this in perspective. The Bible sells still today over 100 million copies a year, right? That's like 200-ish a minute, okay? This story has literally been told in countless congregations throughout history. And yet, you know what? We still have no idea what Jesus said to Zacchaeus. See, Jesus is the only one that can make a story infamous and still somehow protect that moment between you and him and make it something special between you and him. Can I tell you something? God doesn't want to put you to shame. If you got stuff dealing that you're dealing, I, I, look, I remember when I was a kid, I went to this little church one time and I remember the pastor said, how would you like it if God hooked up or if we hooked up a, like, a, like a machine to your mind and we showed all the thoughts up here on the screen that you've had throughout the day? And I was thinking like, that would not be a good thing, right? Look, God, God's not here to shame you. He's not here to put you to shame. You know what the very first emotion recorded in the Bible was after the fall of man? 
It was shame. The Bible says that their eyes were suddenly open and that they were ashamed because of their nakedness. And so they hid. You know what the second emotion was? Fear. They were afraid. See, and here's why. Because shame always leads to fear because you're gonna believe that you deserve bad things. You're gonna believe that you don't deserve the blessings of God. And so there's automatically fear in that. Fear of judgment, fear of torment, fear of pain, fear of sickness. But there's a scripture in the Bible that says that the righteous trust in the Lord. And I love this part. It says they don't fear bad news. If you're waiting for the other shoe to drop, right? If you're, if you're waiting for the, the, the call from the doctor, if you're waiting for your kids to go astray, right? Look, put your mind at rest this morning. Because I'm gonna tell you, all the bad things that you deserve, all the judgment. That he, see, here's the crazy thing about shame. Those people with Zacchaeus, those Jews back then, they, they wouldn't have recognized him in public. And if they did, it would be very unkind. And now we say little phrases like, well, sticks and stones, right? That's just, those are just, no, look, what they said about him was absolutely true. That's where shame gets you. It's not the, you know, the devil can lie about us, right? But it's the things that are true. It's the things that he throws up to you. It's, it's, it's the way you talk to your wife this morning before you guys got ready to go to church, right? It's the way you mistreated your children, it's the way you cheated or you lied or you had thoughts that were not the things that he wants you to have. But here's what he says. He says all the judgment and all the shame and all the condemnation and all the death and all the disease and all the destruction that you deserve for everything you've ever done Jesus gladly took on his back at the cross and paid the price for every single one. And here's the best part. He said that all the blessings and honor and grace and favor and riches and healing and health that he deserved, he gladly gives to you. He gladly trades places with you. We're gonna wrap this up. Would you stand with me? We're gonna pray here in just a moment. And listen, I know we don't always do this, uh, but I'm gonna ask you to do something. I'm just gonna ask you to close your eyes for a minute, okay? And here's what I believe. I believe Jesus is in this place this morning and I believe he's coming in and I believe he is calling you by name. Okay, when he says your name, here's what he's saying about you. He says, I know every little detail of your life. I know every single thing that's going on in your mind. I know everything that you're worried about. I know everything that you're concerned about. I know that situation with your children. I know that situation with your health or that situation in your family. I know where there's lack. I know where there's lack of resources. I know every single thing that you're going through. But I can handle it a whole lot better than you can handle it. So this morning he's saying, look, I gotta come into your house. I must, look, whenever Jesus says I must do anything, that's pretty serious, all right? And he says, I must, not, not just I must come in, but he says, I must be a guest, right? Jesus is a gentleman and he's never gonna force his way in. He wants an invite. He wants to be a guest in your house today. Now, when you do that, there's gonna be some uncomfort with it, Right, because he's gonna come in and he's gonna start picking stuff up and he's gonna start messing with stuff and he's gonna start moving stuff around and he's gonna start reprioritizing things. But if you'll let him, that's the definition of abundant life. That's the definition of true life when he can come in and when he can have his way. So I wanna ask a question this morning. First of all, if you've never committed your life, every, every eye closed, if you've never committed your life to Jesus Christ, if you've never committed to be his follower 100%, would you just lift your hand? We're just gonna say a little prayer for you. 
Would you just raise up your hand? Thank you for those hands. All right. Now, if you're in here and you say, hey, look, I'm a, I'm a believer in Christ, but I know there's stuff in my house. I know there's mess in there. I know there's things going on that probably shouldn't be. I know there's things in there that I would be ashamed if people knew. But this morning I hear the Lord knocking at my door and I hear him coming in and I hear him saying, I must be a guest in your house today. If that's you, here's what we're gonna do. Would you just raise up your hands and we're gonna pray real quickly. Okay, I want everybody to repeat this prayer after me first of all. Just say, Jesus, say I want you to be a guest at my house today. I give you my life and I'm gonna follow you. Lord, forgive me for every wrong thing that I've ever done and I commit myself to be your child, your servant, your beloved forever. Now, Lord, I pray for your people, God, and I pray that you would come into our house this morning, Lord. I pray that you would start messing with our life, God. I pray that you would start messing with our stuff. Lord, you have full permission this morning to come in and rearrange anything that you wanna rearrange. God, shake it up and reprioritize it and put the things in our life that you want to be there and take the things out of our life that you don't want to be there. And here's what we're praying for this morning. We're praying for that great exchange, Lord, as we lay down our burdens. Lord, as we lay down the judgment that we have, as we lay down the shame that we have, and Lord, we pick up your spirit of joy, the spirit of joy in our lives. God, I pray you fill your people with joy this morning. Lord, now bless them. God, make your face to shine upon them. God, give them dreams and visions, Lord. God, give them the thoughts that you have for their lives, Lord. Show them the trajectory that you want them to take, Lord. Show them the things that you have, you have in store for them, God, that you put in front of them, that you want them to accomplish, Lord, and fill them with your spirit in order to do it. Father, we thank you for it. We give you all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory. It's in Jesus' name. We say together, amen and amen. Come on, can you give them a hand clap of praise because you love them? Hallelujah.